Welcome to the Daily Detox Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, integrative health practitioner, licensed occupational therapist, and your health detective. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence-based, and effective solutions for achieving wellness. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Welcome back to Daily Detox. I'm your host, Stephanie Center. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a fantastic episode in store for you, and I really cannot wait to share it. Actually, before sitting down to record this, I went on the most beautiful crisp fall walk around Radnor Lake, which is one of Nashville's beautiful parks. I mean, Nashville is filled with gorgeous parks. This one's really cool because it has a lake. And it was really nice to be both a little chilly, but also have the sun beaming down on me. It's just that perfect time of year where you, you're you cold, but not uncomfortable. And I think it's also must be the perfect week for foliage because the trees around the lake were all shades of red, yellow, orange, amber. And it just had me thinking like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe it's mid-November. I honestly feel like I blinked and we went from Halloween to almost Thanksgiving. Crazy. I know this year is going to look a little bit different for all of us. And I want to challenge you and myself, I'm not immune to this, to stay positive and focus on the good. This is the time of year to spend in moments of gratitude and be mindful of all of our blessings. And you know what? There is always, always, always something to be thankful for. So I'd like us to just take a moment and I want you to pause and think about something you're thankful for. Doesn't matter if it's small and significant or something monumental, acknowledging and feeling thankful increases our happiness. And let me tell you, happiness is contagious. Speaking of, let me share a little happy with you. My final Low Tox Life free course is happening on Wednesday, December 2nd at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we are going to talk about all things toxins. So I'm going to share with you the major offenders that are in our environment and food, like different preservatives and things, and self-care products. So you know which ingredients to look out for and stay away from when you're at the grocery store. Uh, I'm also going to be sharing some healthy alternatives. So you can, you can have like a go-to to keep in mind when, you know, the next time you're at Target or whatever. And you can reduce your toxic load. It's a really informative course, and I think it's worthwhile information. And I would love to make that information common knowledge. So I want you to come, take notes, and then share these concepts and ideas with your friends. Because I truly believe that that's how change happens. If enough of us start paying attention to our ingredients and buying better products, then these big chain companies will eventually be forced to provide better quality if they want to keep our business. And also, I just want to reiterate that the FDA doesn't have your back. The FDA does not really have your back. They're not regulating the way they should. But I do. I've done a lot of research on toxins and how they affect our body. And I've come up with a really good list of things to stick, you know, to stay away from and other things that you 
that are safe. And so I think this course is really worth your while. It's the last one I'm doing this year. I don't know when I'll, I'll have it again sometime in 2021, but I don't have it on, on the books yet. I also have one last 10 day detox group in 2020, and that's going to kick off on December 9th. And my program is called the 10 day liver detox because we are for 10 days strategically supporting the liver's ability to detoxify. Um, But I don't want you to think of it as like a trendy detox because that's not what it is. It's really a way to help reset your metabolic pathways so that you can digest food better and absorb your nutrients better. And I take all of the worry out of this. I provide you with a grocery store list and recipes for three meals a day for 10 days. And I specifically chose foods that are cleansing to the liver to support your body in detoxing. And I pair that uh, food program because I think foods, I think a lot of, that's kind of the, my, my issue with a lot of these programs is they take food out of the equation and food is so important. Anything you put in your body is either contributing to inflammation or taking away from it. And so that's why this food portion is really, really pivotal. And the supplementation is just that it's supplemental. It's not the key. The key is the food. But I do use a supplementation kit that really helps to encourage that phase one and phase two liver detoxification. And that's my other kind of issue with regular detoxes is they really only focus on phase one of liver detox. And that does you a disservice because then phase two gets backed up and then you're, you're really actually reabsorbing toxins into your body because your liver isn't efficiently operating because both phases need to be working in in tandem. And if you're feeling lost and you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry. Um, I start off each cohort with a masterclass on liver health. So I break it down into bite-sized pieces that make sense so that you understand how your body's detox process works. And I also would say that it's not really that hard of a program. I would say that you've done things that are a lot harder in life than eating delicious meals for 10 days and taking a supplement. And my clients who have done this program, they've actually, they've managed to lose weight and keep it off, which is not at all the point of this program. But I think just because we are making your body more efficient at digesting and absorbing food that it cleans out those metabolic pathways and you just, you lose some weight. It's been really a really great and rewarding experience. I, I only like a small intimate group, so I only take on 10 people. So if you want to sign up for this or you're interested, you can head on over to my Instagram at holistic Stephanie Marie. I do have a cap at 10. So once 10 people sign up, um, it will be locked. You won't be able to sign up anymore and you can click the link in my bio at holistic Stephanie Marie, or you can click on the link in the show notes, or you can send me an email or message me or whatever, and, and I'll uh, help you out. But yeah, it's been a great experience and I'm going to bring that back in 2021. Also, again, I don't have a timeline for that yet because I am working on my one-on-one practice and that is just about ready. I'm putting together some final touches And this is so cool. This is something that I'm trying to do to help bridge the gap in care because I think a lot of people go to their doctor and they just don't feel good. And so they get labs done. And what do the labs show? Absolutely nothing because what are we measuring? Are we even measuring the right things? What about the lab ranges? Are we even looking at the right ranges? I could go on for days. And so I've taken on some extra certification courses 
to be able to offer lab testing. So if you, you know, think your thyroid is off or if, you know, if you want to look at hormones in general, um, I have access to saliva hormone testing, urine hormone testing. I do food sensitivity testing, which I actually, I just got my results back for my food sensitivity test. It looks at, a, I think it was 170 foods. And it was kind of funny because the foods, I'm not super sensitive to anything except for dairy, but what came in in like the yellow range. So that like mid range where it's like, oh, I guess you could have this, but you might want to try to stay away from it. Uh, was salmon, which hello, I love salmon. I eat that all the time and sesame. And I eat tahini like it's nobody's business. I put tahini in everything. So that's going to be really hard for me to cut back on and cinnamon too. Cinnamon was in there. And I, y'all know my matcha recipes, like every single one of them includes cinema, cinnamon. Anyways, that's going to be going to be interesting, an interesting road. I wonder why I'm sensitive to them if it's because I'm eating them too much. Well, and one really cool thing actually that I'll say about the food sensitivity test that I give is that you don't have to eat the foods that you think you might be sensitive to, to take this test. I know a lot of food sensitivity tests, like if you think you're allergic to gluten, they make you eat gluten and then test to see if you have a reaction. Well, that could be miserable for a lot of people. This is not like that. This test, it's a blood test. And yeah, you're giving, I think like four vials of blood. It's really not a big deal, but you don't have to put yourself through testing the waters on foods that you think you might be sensitive to. So it's, I think that's unnecessary harm. And so I don't, I don't use that method. I'm also going to be offering gut function tests. So things like the GI map test, which I know is a, a popular test. I think it's a wonderful test. I'm going to be offering something called the wheat zoomer um, and an intestinal permeability test. So all, all interesting things. And, and the purpose of the testing, I want to be clear. I don't, I don't treat lab results. I treat people, but they provide us, they help to identify healing opportunities. So when I get a test result back, I, I see what, what correlates with the client. You know, what are the symptoms that you're saying that you have? And how does the, how do these things relate? And we kind of go from there and paint a picture of, of your health and what's happening. And we come up with an individualized treatment plan based on your unique needs. And this is something that I'm really passionate about because it's something I didn't get in traditional medicine. And I want to be that voice. I also have a lot of experience working in healthcare. So I know when somebody needs a doctor, I know when somebody needs medical care and I know when to refer out, but I don't think that, I think that for chronic issues, I wouldn't start there. I wouldn't start with the prescription medications. I would see what you can, where you can get by treating yourself holistically, but strategically holistically by using labs, by using real data. And then if you're not getting better, see a doctor. So anyways, that's, that's my, uh, my passion and what I'm going to be doing. Um, and so I'm putting together the final pieces there. I'll let you know when that is available, but I'm so excited. I, I truly feel like that's my calling and that's what I'm good at. And working in the hospital, I would always look at trends. That was, I, I actually kept like 
like I did clinical in-house research on, on things. <laughs> and one of the reasons why I'm here is I found, I kept seeing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease over and over and over again. And I, it didn't, it wasn't like that when I started practicing, I didn't see non-alcoholic fatty liver disease as much as I'm seeing it today. And so it just, you know, what's changed over the last seven years, what's, what's happened over that time, that time period, that's what, what are we, what toxins are be, we being exposed to? How is our liver becoming more sluggish? What are we doing to ourselves? Um, and that kind of is, is, has also been a propeller for me that in my own personal experience with mold toxicity, it has kind of led me to, to this and I'm really excited about it. And yeah, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about yourself and learning about how I can help you reach out to me and um, I'll, I'll make sure to have you be one of the first people on my list. Oh, and if you haven't grabbed your free copy of my detox essentials guide, I highly recommend it. You can get it just about anywhere from my website, from Instagram. I'll even attach it to the show notes. It's a really simple, nice four-step guide that will give you the habits and strategies you will need to become successful in any wellness program you do. These are the four foundational things. If you're not doing these four things, like forget about it. That's like that's like trying to to fill a bathtub when the plug is pulled. Like you're never going to fill that bathtub. So and it's totally free and it's easy to understand and follow. So grab it. It will be like I said in the show notes it's everywhere. Okay, let's move on to today's show. I have two amazing guests, Allie French and Erica Stein. This collaboration, I think, originated because I'm a really big fan of their super successful podcast, Courageous Wellness, <laughs> and I found myself really intrigued by their personal health journeys. So let me back up. On their podcast, they interview people who exude and personify what it means to have courageous wellness or what it means to be courageous in their wellness journey. And every now and then they would have episodes about their own health journeys. And I would just find myself trying to go to those episodes because I, I'm in such awe of their personal health stories. And I really wanted to, them to share their experiences with you because I think storytelling is really powerful and that's how we learn and grow. And just to give you kind of a, a quick synopsis, Allie went through a really tough cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And I know some, some listeners have reached out to me with cancer diagnoses. And so I think that this is a great episode for you, if that's you. And Erica has this beautiful story that involves body dysmorphia and emotional eating. And that's not something that I've we've talked about on the show yet. And I think it's something, I mean, shoot, what girl looks at her body and says, oh yeah, this is great. I love this right? We all have, we, we all can identify with that, I think. So I think it's just, it's really amazing too, that they created this platform to interview real people and talk about their personal journeys and health and wellness. Because a lot of shows and like my own, I, I look for a lot of people who I consider to be experts. And I love that they have real people sharing real stories. 
And it's not just physical wellness. They talk about emotional wellness and spiritual wellness. And they hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. And I wholeheartedly agree with that message, which is why I'm having them share their story with you. And I love that they have a commitment to destigmatize conversations in the wellness space and celebrate experiences and lessons of their courageous guests. And I want to contribute to that by having them here because I, I really think that it, I want to be a part of destigmatizing conversations. So please help me in welcoming Allie and Erica. Erica and Allie, thank you so much for joining me today. I am just like beside myself that you both agreed to come on my show. I'm a huge, huge fan of both of you. Um, I would like to go through both of your health journeys because I think you both have really incredible, just like your podcast is, courageous wellness journeys. And so I have some questions for you. Erica, I'll start with you. Um, can you describe your your wellness journey? And I'm really specifically, I'm interested in your experience with, with body dysmorphia and emotional eating. I have some listeners that have reached out to me with questions about that. And so if you don't care to, or even just tell us, shoot, I'm being like <laughs> way too... I, I'm a little starstruck by you guys. <laughs> oh my God. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then maybe jump into your wellness journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we're, we're big fans of you. So we're excited to be able to do this and, and we're excited to have your story on our podcast as well. Um, so yes, I'm so happy to talk about my story and my journey. So I, I have always I'm like, how do I begin? Because there's so much, as I'm sure everybody who struggles with emotional eating and body dysmorphia and self-love and weight loss and weight management, et cetera, et cetera, especially in this climate right now too, mm -hmm. where, um, you know, there's so much emphasis on um, anti-diet culture and everything. So I think I'm even starting to explore like how to reconcile, you know, the world of I have a weight loss journey that stemmed from self-love. I mm. have been an emotional eater, but I also, you know, believe in healthy at every size and loving my body as it is. And that actually is what sparked my sustained weight loss journey to begin with. So to back up <laughs> many, many moons and years ago, you know, I always carried extra weight growing up. Weight was always you know, food in my family was always emotional, you know, something good would happen, we would eat something bad would happen. And we would eat I was raised in a Buddhist family, but we're culturally Jewish. And I feel like it's just the Jewish culture is you feed people all the time. So I was always eating basically. But you know, and so I always carried a little bit of extra weight. And then my parents, I grew up, you know, in beautiful Southern California in Malibu, gorgeous, fresh, healthy food. But my parents went through really difficult times when I was in middle school and they really struggled financially. And so during that time, I was on free lunch program and we were eating a lot of fast food because that's just what they could afford. And my mom was working two jobs and that drive-through is very convenient. So, you know, because of that, again, like just carried some extra weight and also just habits were developed, right? Comfort food became fast mm. food. Comfort food became, um, you know, McDonald's drive-through. So, you know, 
but again, it never was really a problem or something I realized was an issue. I, I never like dieted throughout high school or anything. I just, you know, carried some extra weight, but it was after I graduated college and I started working on a couple of TV shows that I started to really notice my emotional eating tendencies, you know, like, again, these habits had been developed at an early age and I was going to food, you know, for emotional comfort and my weight had hit an all time high. You know, it wasn't just carrying a little bit of extra weight. I was, I was at the heaviest I had ever been. And, you know, it it was getting to the point where it could have been, you know, a health concern. And so it was interesting because even though that was all true, I I didn't even care about that stuff at the time because I was in my early twenties. I just was focused on so much of blaming my body and blaming my weight for the reason my life didn't look the way I wanted it to. If I was thinner, I would be in a relationship. If I was thinner, you know, I would be advancing in my career. If I was thinner, X, Y, and Z. It was just, it was a really bad cycle. And so that's when I started probably dieting and exercising for the first time in my life. But because my focus was so much on if I was this, then this would happen. I would just like, you know, go on some diet, go exercise for about two weeks. I feel like two weeks is all I ever really did. And then, you know, I'd be there with takeout or pizza or Taco Bell or whatever it was and, you know, lose five, gain 10. So I was in a really vicious cycle and it, my, my turning point moment really came when I was about, maybe I was 23 two or 23 years old. And I had just gone on a really bad date with somebody. And I was talking to a a friend on the phone and I was on the phone with them. And this was a friend I knew through my Buddhist practice. So they were like, you know, giving me some like Buddhist advice, but basically I was complaining to them. And I was saying, if, because he didn't call me. So the guy I went on a date with did not call me. And I was so upset. And I was like, if I was thinner or prettier, he would have called me back. And I was just like telling that story to myself, you know, and I was crying. And this woman had great compassion for my life, honestly. Because like I said, we weren't like tight. We were just friends through this Buddhist community. And so she, um, she just stopped me and she said, you know, Erica, you do not value your life at all. And it has nothing to do with your weight, you know? And she was like, you really need to like value and treasure yourself. And I don't know why or what about that moment, but I was ready to hear that. And I felt that it just hit me. I was like, wow, I do not treasure or value myself. And I'm putting so much emphasis on my weight and my body. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, this is it. And so I ended up going home and writing on a hot pick, hot pink sticky note, you know, you are a treasure, you are precious, your life has value. And I just started, you know, I chant. So I started chanting that way. And I started really focusing on that part of my journey. And as I started to feel that way about myself, right, that's why like my weight loss journey was really about like learning to love and accept my body as it was. So that's exactly what I did. I just started to love and treasure this body I was in at this larger size. And 
it was, it was what it was. And as I started to feel that way and truly love myself, everything in my life began to change, right? Like I didn't lose any weight and I was advancing in my career. I didn't lose any weight. And I met this amazing man who is now my husband. We've been together, married five years together, almost nine, you know, and I met him at my heaviest weight. Right. And he's just like, the, couldn't be a better human and person and, you know, love of my life. And so all of that happened at my heaviest. And then I started just moving my body because as I was treasuring myself and loving myself, I think the natural progression of that was, oh, I'd like to like work out because I want to move my body instead of as a form of punishment for what I was eating or how I looked. And yeah. And so I guess because I, I wasn't really like, I didn't really move my body before. Like I just kind of, I didn't have any exercise regime. So I only started like working out three days a week and I lost 50 pounds within like eight or nine months. And it wasn't conscious because again, I just was moving my body because I found a spin class I really liked and I did it a couple of times a week. And I guess I was eating differently, but not like I was eating whatever I wanted. But I think as you move your body, um, naturally you crave different things. And so, yeah, I, I lost 50 pounds and, um, that's kind of my weight loss journey and, and about the body dysmorphia. I really think it's because I, um, I didn't lose weight consciously. Right. So I wasn't like weighing myself. I wasn't like, tr I wasn't actively trying to lose weight. It just happened from a place of honoring myself, loving myself, and then just naturally moving my body more. It was very strange once I realized it happened and once people started commenting on my weight loss and I realized it for the first time when I went, had to work an event and I had this black blazer that I, I hadn't, we had to wear like a black blazer, black pants. And I hadn't worn this outfit that I wore to work these events in so long. And when I put it on, that's when I realized how much weight I lost. Like it was like that kind of, I was so unconscious to it. So th that is kind of when my journey with nutrition really began, because as I noticed my body was different and I was struggling with body dysmorphia and not really being able to recognize myself or see myself, that's when I started being really interested in how I was fueling my body and what I was doing to, um, you know, make myself the healthiest I can be. And the more I fueled myself properly, the better, the better my relationship with food was, um, the better my body dysmorphia became. So I hope that kind of answered or at least introduced you to my journey and my process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that was like my self-love, my weight loss journey in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Can, can I ask a couple follow-up? Of course. Yeah, of course. So you talked about your childhood experience. Do you feel like in that, that moment, did you ever experience food insecurity, mm -hmm. like wondering where the next meal was coming from? And did that ever play a role in this, this wellness journey? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ali and I are both very passionate about food insecurity. And we did a event last year for our local West Side Food Bank. And I was, my family was very food insecure. You know, mm. it really, part of why we were eating dollar menu McDonald's and all of that is because a lot of times it really was about like my, my parents needed every last dollar to pay our rent at that time. They didn't know where our next meal was coming from. And we even had different church groups and different organizations bring us food. So I did benefit from mm. food banks. So yeah, it was a life changing 
opportunity and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so, you know, I'm so grateful in so many ways because it was such a short period of time, you know, like my parents went through this probably between the ages for me of like 11 to 14, but, but they were able to come out of it, but to have the experience of being on free lunch, being on government assisted programs, seeing what that food is like and how it shapes your habits. Like I said, like to this day, like junk food is comfort food because that's what I ate, you know, in these crucial years. So it's so much more loaded than just like mindset or, you know, like even learning about nutrition, like these, these things that come from our childhood are much more engraved in us than I think a lot of people realize who don't have that experience. Yeah. And I think that that makes you such a unique health coach because you can, you have firsthand experience with that and you can really help somebody in a way that other people can't Yeah, because you have that experience. Um, I was watching, I don't know if you all are familiar with Zach Bush MD with his uh, Farber's footprint company. If you're not, he's really great. Anyways, I was, I thought of you this morning because I was listening to him. He had an IG video talking about how he was talking about emotional eating and he was talking about the how it's a dopamine fix, Mm -hmm. like your body's looking for dopamine. And then he compared to that to research on the dopamine that you receive giving someone a hug. And so his recommendation was just to give somebody a hug before you eat. (laughs) And that will like help curb your, your, your search for dopamine and it will cause you to maybe eat healthier food. I don't know if you have any experience with that or can speak to that. I just thought that was a really interesting, (laughs) timely thing that happened today. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I think we were actually, Allie and I were just talking about that because I think we saw it on your Instagram and I was like, that is so good. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to try that. Like next time I feel like I'm just going to like hug somebody before I eat my next meal, because I think it's so true. And, Mm. you know, it's so, I think emotional eating is so complicated and it's so loaded and I'm at the best place I've ever been with it. And, you know, any emotional eating quote binges are so few and far between for me now, but I think it's something I will honestly probably struggle with or Mm. not even struggle with, but experience for who knows, right? Like, cause it's just, it's, a part of me. I'm 32 years old. And, you know, I, I was, I was an emotional eater for the majority of my life. And so, but for me, I think what helps so much is like the awareness is what changes it so completely. And I, I used to, when I would have, and I'm so cautious of saying like binges because binge eating disorder is, is very real. And that's not something I've personally experienced, but my emotional eating binges for me are always Mm. when I eat past the point of fullness or when I'm not physically hungry. I'm like, right. Like we're talking about you're emotionally hungry, but again, I think why they've become so few and far between for me or even less, you know, like my binges used to be so much more than they are now. Like maybe now it's just, I have a few extra slices of cheese or whatever, the awareness makes such a difference because the awareness is where the power lies. Like if you're aware that you're having this moment or you're feeling these feelings and that you want to go to food, you can make a conscious choice of, I don't think that's one thing I've completely transformed is I never have an unconscious emotional eating binge that doesn't exist for me anymore. I now have the awareness of 
Do I want to go take a bath? Do I want to go take a walk? Am I going to journal? And most of the time, because I have this awareness of the feelings coming up, I do choose that. But sometimes I choose to nourish myself with food or eat a little bit more than I I would normally do. And that's okay. You know, I think it's like, I don't, I'm not hard on myself for it. It comes, it goes. And then my next meal, I don't deprive or restrict. I just continue. And it's the most freeing experience with it because I used to think, oh, I have to heal. And I'm not healed until I never have that moment again. But for me, like the greatest freedom has come in the awareness and then making a conscious choice um, because then you're able to move on and move through it. And and yeah, and having like a coach or a partner, like I, I will call Allie and talk to her about it. And she always makes me feel like, you know, it's okay and I feel okay. And so, um, But yeah, it is. I love that concept of go for the hug because it's usually, I think, especially right now in this year of 2020, it's not even, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm a, I'm a double air sign. I am a projector. I don't know if you could, I'm, I'm very like airy basically, (laughs) but, um, with all of that said, I take in a lot of energy from other people. So a lot of the emotional eating I've been feeling in 2020 or um, when that feeling comes up, it's not even a lot of times my feelings that I'm trying to process. And so, yeah, it's just, there's a lot going on. And I think we just need to be kind to ourselves and, you know, find the coping mechanisms that work. And sometimes it might be food, but most of the time we just need a hug or a journal or a hot bath or whatever else it is to work through it. Totally, totally. And and you might have just answered my follow-up, which is what, what strategies do you have in place? It sounds like you use a lot of self-care strategies, awareness, do I want to move forward with this decision or is there something else? And I love that idea of, of taking care of yourself, finding other ways to take care of yourself. Yeah. I will also say that I've also, Mm -hmm. because of this awareness, I now know my triggers and that is really helpful. So for me, I also tend to emotionally eat, right? Like when I'm not taking care of myself, when I'm not taking care of myself, those feelings come up. Um, when I'm not eating enough food, I've realized I have to eat enough satisfying meals during the day or else I'm, I crave satisfying yeah. things. And, um, yeah, just making sure I'm just eating enough, eating satisfying meals. And cause if I'm hungry or if I've been too busy and I don't eat, that's sometimes a trigger for me as well. So learning your triggers and self-care is a huge part of that um, can also really help deal with a binge or an emotional eating moment for me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Uh, Do you have any mealtime practices that you use throughout your, yeah, anytime you have a meal? Yes, um, I do. I I do have some. I don't, obviously I I'm human. And sometimes I love to like, you know, eat my dinner in front of, of my course. TV or in front of my computer. It's like actually one of my favorite things to do. However, even if I'm going to do that, I think one thing I always try to do is chewing is really big for me. So like slowing down and yeah. trying to be as mindful as possible with your meals. I always want my meals to be conscious at the table, you know, deep breath before I even put a bite of food in my mouth. And 
you know, but sometimes, right, it's been a stressful day, or my husband and I want to watch a movie with takeout on the couch, like that just happens. It's life. So knowing how important chewing is for digestion and how like just even being conscious, uh, even being aware (laughs) of how chewing makes you present in your meal. It allows Mm. you to taste all the flavors of the food you're eating, even if it is takeout or if it's a delicious meal you prepared. So I try to be really mindful about chewing at every meal. And I know like experts recommend like 20 plus bites or to liquid, but that's also really hard to do. So Um, hard. So I just try to chew at least like 10 times and it helps and it helps me enjoy and savor each delicious bite um, even more. So chewing is, it seems so obvious, but when I started learning about the benefits of chewing, I realized how little I chewed. And so that's when I became, you know, a very big advocate for chewing. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like such a funny thing to say, but it... (laughs) I remember when I found, when I finally found my doctor, she was like, okay, I'm going to give you some advice. And this is the hardest thing that you're going to do uh, of this whole program. I'm giving you chew your food. And I just laughed at her and she goes, no, for real, this is the hardest thing you're going to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was not kidding. We don't even think about it. Yeah. We don't even think about it. So that, that awareness that you talked about, again, bringing awareness to that and being mindful of it makes a difference. I also love that you, I noticed I was reading through your, your bio and you have a passion for the film industry. And I was wondering if you had ever considered combining these two passions and doing something with film and wellness. Yes. Allie and I talk about this quite often. You know, I actually made a documentary film that's in post-production. It's not about wellness, but you know, film and, you know, that's, both of our backgrounds. Allie's more in front of the camera, mine's more behind the camera. But that's definitely, I feel like our goal is to kind of merge our mission with courageous wellness and our background in film and entertainment. So we will see what comes from that. But that's definitely, I think, so cool. what our goal is. Yeah, for our evolving mission. I'll have to connect you all with Caroline Aylward. I recently had her on my podcast. She is a film producer in Boston. And she, I'll send you a link. She created this short film called In This Body. And it's all about women's perception of their bodies. And it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a four minute video. It's very short. Uh, But I feel like, and she did all raw interviews. She didn't write a script or anything. And it is just, I just watched it over and over and over again going, yes, yes, I identify with what you're saying. I identify with what you're saying. And just having that moment, that aha moment of, we all feel this way. And something that I thought she brought up that was really interesting, and I would love your opinion on, is she she said to me that as women, we're taught to not take up space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be little and to be small and And that is not something that I ever had awareness of, but I feel like is really true. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering what, what your take is on that and how you, how you, yeah. Take it Absolutely. Away. I even think it's so relevant in terms of the way we eat and our food choices, right? Like I feel like mm. I, you know, I'm 32. So I was in high school, I graduated high school in 2006. So like, right, like the early 2000s and like, you know, all of that and, you know, all of this culture of even with our food choices, right? Be small, eat that salad with no dressing and grilled mm-hmm. chicken and, you know, just, you know, diet everything, right? Diet Coke, 
diet, food, diet, 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 diet. And it's so interesting because, you know, I have found, right? Like my husband has such a different relationship with food and I know men struggle too. So it's not a blanket statement, but so many men that I have spoken to, they never thought about food in terms of like limiting themselves. It's always been about fuel or eating enough or, you know, and I, I certainly as a woman in, you know, these 2000s culture, like I wasn't raised like that at all. And, you know, I, I do think it's, it's okay. I think even just in terms of like hunger, right? Like it's okay to be hungry and it's like, okay to eat food and it's okay to honor our cravings. And it's okay. Like, you know, of course, like this question is about so much more than just food, but I think because of my own experience, I see it so much and like the way I eat or the choices and just how so much like diet culture is ingrained in, in what we think we should do. Right. But I think the greatest freedom is taking up space. It's, it's taking up space in everything from our food choices to our life choices to living, you know, our truth. But, you know, I think for me, at least food is the most loaded way I I would try to keep myself small, or I would blame my body and, and all of Mm -hmm. that on, you know, why my life wasn't happening the way I wanted. And I just think we have to take up the most space and live our truth. And, you know, even I just think, yeah, Yeah. I know when she said that I had this like aha moment of like when I'm as simple as eating dinner with my husband, (laughs) I give him the big plate and I take the small plate. I don't even give us the same size plates. And I'm like, Steph, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) What is this? And, and I think that's such an, you know, it's interesting because as we're talking about like food and, and weight and body, I think too, like a biggest part of my healing journey is, you know, like I have found that this is the happy, like, this is my happy place for my weight and my body where I can enjoy food. I can have a glass of wine. I can, I can live my life and this is where my body wants to be. And that's not a size zero, right? Like for me, for somebody else, it could be a size zero, but for me, it's not. And I think realizing, I think the media is so hard because it tells women specifically that there's one type of body or there's one specific look that you should be. And it's just not true, right? Like we all come in different sizes and shapes. And I do believe healthy comes in every single size. And it's just about like taking up enough space, living your truth to realize that who you are is okay. Like when you're living your healthiest life, that's how you're supposed to be. And that's okay. And for some people that includes a glass of wine for other people, it doesn't for some people that includes, you know, chocolate every single day for others. It doesn't, it's just kind of realizing that we're all these beautiful, unique, you know, women who deserve to be here as we are. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like somebody needed to hear that. Maybe that somebody was me, (laughs) but, um, yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share about your wellness journey before I move on to Allie and her wellness journey? You know, I'm just so grateful for it. And I think wherever Mm -hmm. anybody listening is in their journey, it's like you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And I know Allie's going to talk about her experience that, you know, is is from the medical side and is can be so scary, right? And even weight can be so loaded. And I just think wherever you are, I truly believe everything happens for a reason. And if I didn't have this experience, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I know Allie, if she didn't have her experience, she's going to share, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so I think there's just, just, 
have faith that whatever it is that you are going through is what you need to go through to get to the other side of where you're going. And you know, the path just isn't linear, you know, and it's not easy, but it's totally worth it. So, so beautifully put. Yes. So beautifully put. Well, Allie, yes. uh, Thank you for also coming on. I I'm such a huge fan of yours and I think your, your journey is from what I know of it, just really beautiful. And if you could just maybe introduce yourself and walk us through your journey of your diagnosis and how you navigated that and how you were your, your own biggest health advocate through it. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having us on again. And it was great because I always love, you know, Eric and I have been working together now for a couple of years, but we don't always get to hear, hear our own stories again. So I loved listening to her, her tell hers as well. So a little bit about me for the majority of my adult life. I have been professionally a performing artist, a singer and an actor for many years. I've done a lot of live like musical theater background and uh, live performing work all over the world. But in, oh, so, so I was going to say, I was going to say in 2015, gosh, I can't believe it's been about five years now. I wound up being diagnosed with a rare cancerous tumor on my back. Now, as a, as a performer, I had always really taken an interest, taken an interest in my own health and my own body, because it was very much what I relied on. It was the tool that I used in my professional life. I would have different, different shows or different jobs would require different things of me physically, but you know, energy was always really, really important, especially when you're performing sometimes eight shows a week. Sometimes I I mean, I've done contracts where I was doing 15 shows a week, which is insane, but it's like, this idea of fueling my body was a part of the work that I had to do. So I had experimented with different sort of dietary things that had worked for me, didn't work for me. So I'd always taken an interest in nutrition and sort of used myself as the guinea pig. Um, I found out over 10 years ago that I had a really bad dairy allergy and had um, removed that and basically cured myself of cystic acne. So I've had these sort of experiences with different little health things over the years and really sort of, again, used myself to experiment on how to like optimize my own energy. But when I got this diagnosis, I just sort of was like floored. I was 29 And I had found what looked like a bruise on my back and the bruise wasn't going away. So I actually had gone into my general physician's office because I had had a really bad like chest cold virus thing that I thought it was a virus, but then it didn't go away. It was like a three week kind of winter bug. And so I just wanted to make sure I didn't have, you know, like an infection, a bronchial infection or anything. And my doctor wasn't in the office and I'll never forget this. They're like, oh, well, one of the other doctors is here. He can see you. And I said, sure, fine. I just need to get in. And when I was there, I actually brought up with him this like bruise thing on my back. Cause I was like, should I be concerned about this? And he looked at it for about a a second. He said, no, no, that's nothing. It's probably just a cyst or something. You can ignore it. Mm. And I left the doctor's office and then didn't come back until my scheduled physical for that year. But 
it still had not gone away. This like discoloration, these blood vessels that I had seen on my back. So I asked my own doctors who I really trusted. And I just had this like intuitive thing, like bring it up again, even though I was told to ignore it. And she's like, I'm not really sure what it is, but let's take some good notes and fast forward to my next appointment with her. And she had been thorough enough to like really keep good notes. And she said, you know what? I'm a little concerned. I'm going to send you for a dermatological exam because it was something presenting on the skin. Mm -hmm. So then I went to the dermatologist and he biopsied that area because that's what they do there. And long story short, it wasn't skin cancer per se, like in the traditional sense, it was called a dermatofibroma sarcoma protuberans was the big word for Mm. it. And it was a tumor that starts in the skin, but grows down. And so you hear the words like you have cancer. Now I was really fortunate. I'm just going to say that I, you know, we caught it at an early kind of non-aggressive stage. So I went through this process where the dermatological surgeons were trying to treat this as, as sort of like with skin cancer type treatment surgery. And they started and I had like a giant hole in my back. And then they realized that like, this was a job for oncology and the oncologist came in and are like, why is she in here? And it was this whole big experience of like, even seeing within the medical system, such differing sort of opinions on treatment. And I had some of the top people at a top hospital in Los Angeles. So it was really, really interesting. And then I wound up having to go into the oncology ward and get my blood work and get rushed. Like, and then they do, you know, if anyone's ever been diagnosed with any kind of cancer, they usually do um, lung x-rays to just to make sure, cause it's such a susceptible region. And I just was like, what is going on? You know, having this experience at 29, not that I think it's, it's not natural experience at any age, but it was something that really kind of shook my perception about my own like invincibility, I guess, Mm -hmm. that we like perceive to have in youth until something like this happens. So fortunately for me, I went through two additional back surgeries and I was able to become cancer free by January of that year. That was, um, January of 2016. So I was, uh, again, really fortunate that when they caught it, it had not transformed become aggressive or anything like that. So it was just kind of a rare situation. And you know, going through that really opened my eyes to like, just how precious our bodies are, that we only have one of them, that I wanted to live in a way where I really had appreciation for that and to not, you know, abuse my body in, in the sense of, I never, I never did anything like overtly abusive, but even in the, the way that I, I demanded certain things from it in the con in the context of even my career and performing, it's taken me a while to get to the point where I was like, I want to love my body, treat it right. It's the only one I have and we're not guaranteed anything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's really like the background about my diagnosis and, I have some interesting sort of like nutrition findings and cravings and um, a a journey with that on the other side of my healing from the cancer, um, which I can go into if you're interested. But yeah, that's, that's really sort of like the experience of having had 
um, that diagnosis at that age. Yeah. Well, yes, please share. And also, um, maybe before you move on to that, I I was curious, did you go through this whole process solely with allopathic medicine? Or did you ever navigate what traditional versus maybe Mm. functional medicine? Yes. No, at this point, I was completely on the Western route. Um, So I, because I was fortunate in, in the stage of diagnoses and the stage of where I was with this tumor growth mm-hmm. and where it was, I did not have to deal with any chemotherapy or radiation. It was purely surgical. Okay. So I felt incredibly protected in that because I don't know that the, the experience would have been very different if I had to deal with, um, that type of med- medicine or treatment. And, and that was on the table. So for me, the healing was purely surgical, like okay. on the other side of that. I mean, I had three surgeries total on my back and to become, to have my margins fully cleared. Um, so there were a lot of staples and, you know, the healing in that mm-hmm. sense, but I didn't have, I didn't have to like grapple with that aspect of it, uh, which mo- a lot of people do. So I understand sort of like how lucky I was in that process. I have had some health issues since I've dealt with gut healing, gut issues and SIBO, bad SIBO. And I, throughout the course of my sort of healing journey from the cancer surgeries and then additional things kind of since then, I've definitely taken a more integrative approach. Absolutely. Like I do believe there's a place for Western medicine, especially in really like acute situations. But I also know that like the concept behind like functional medicine, which I'm much more sort of like gravitate towards now is like really, you know, root cause. What, why, why are we experiencing certain health things? What is our body telling us through that? And how do we treat the root cause rather than just treating the symptoms? So now that's sort of like the general approach I take to my health is, is really integrative. Like I'll go Western. I'm not anti it. I'll go it when I need to, mm-hmm. but that's not going to be my first choice all the time. So, and as far as like the nutrition component goes, what was really fascinating for me was I had been, so I've been dairy free for 10 years because I know it just doesn't work for me. And I do have like an inflammatory response to it, but I had also been vegetarian for four years up until my uh, cancer surgery. Now, I know this sounds probably crazy because a lot of people oftentimes go towards a fully plant-based diet if they're dealing with cancer. But in my healing, when I was like sitting on the couch, unable to do anything with staples in my back, I was dreaming. I mean, fantasizing, dreaming, craving, beyond craving um, red meat, like I had never craved before in my life. And I was like, this is crazy. I, I don't eat red meat. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I barely eat animal products and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was sort Mm -hmm. of an aha, like, it's funny. It's kind of a funny story to tell, but it was an aha moment for me because I was ignoring what my intuition had been telling me. And I mean like deep intuition from my body, like what my body was screaming at me for. Mm. And I decided to stop ignoring it. And I decided to go again, experiment on myself and got a good piece of well-sourced grass 
fed grass finished beef. And I was like, well, this is going to go one of two ways. I'm either going to get <laughs> real sick from it because I haven't had it in four years, or I'm going to feel great. And like, we're going to see what happens. And I ate it and I felt like, I felt like a new person. There was clearly like nutrients that I really, really needed during the healing process. And I had my fascia removed. So there was a lot of like tissue healing that was happening Mm -hmm. and my body knew what it needed in that moment. And so that was just like a big eye-opening thing where it's like, wow, our bodies are so intelligent. And I'm not saying that like everybody should go on a red meat diet. That's not the (laughs) point. The point is that like, if we are able to become in touch enough with our own bodies, they are self-healing. They will know what they need at any given time. And we just like, it's sort of like our job to figure out how to listen to that and to be able to differentiate that from perhaps an emotional craving, like really being able to listen to like physical cravings. Like what, what do I need right now? What am I feeling deficient in? And so that actually spawned my interest and kind of dive into nutrition even further for myself after that healing process. That is such an incredible story. I, yeah, I can't, I don't, I've never had that experience of dreaming about a certain type of food, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. but like, what a, like, what a blessing for your body to be like, Hey, Allie, this is what I need. Give right. this to me and I'll feel better. That's so incredible. And I totally 100% agree with you that our bodies are searching for homeostasis. Like they mm-hmm. are, the body wants to be better. So as long as you're not fighting that and you're, right. you're listening to your body, then you're, you are going to heal. And Erica, what you said that healing's not linear. I couldn't agree with that more either. H- healing looks kind of, well, nobody can see me right now. So the hand gestures I'm making don't make sense, but it's like the stock market. It goes up and then down and then up and then down, but then eventually goes up. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that whole, the whole journey for me was really about whether it's like the intelligence of my body or my intuition. It was an experience where I learned to trust myself on a fundamental level. I knew there was something in that experience where like I needed to not listen to the doctor because had I listened to that first doctor and ignored Mm -hmm what felt off for me, I wouldn't have been able, I I mean, I'm sure at some point it would have gotten bad enough, but perhaps it would have been in a way more aggressive stage um, than it was when we caught it. You know, there was something like deep within me that said, stay on this, Mm. face this. And it was, I mean, potentially life-saving. So I, I learned that in, in that process. And then in the healing process, just even something like with the steak is just say like, okay, I'm going to stop trying to ignore like the message that my own body is telling me, right? Like trusting that it's intelligent enough to know what it needs to try to like, right. Again, go back into this place of homeostasis. Our bodies are always working towards that. And we just need to create the best possible environment and circumstances to allow it to do its job. And that's been really very eye-opening for me, not only with like other little health things that I've dealt with since, but also with other people, with 
whether either clients or family members going through difficulties, it's like, are we need to, we've sort of like in this culture detached from knowing that our bodies are intelligent because we have so many, and I'm sure you could talk to this more about this. And that's why I'm excited to have you on our show, but like, we have so many things in our environment that kind of get in the way of that natural process, whether they're toxins or in our foods, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, chemicals, different things. And, and we, so we lose that ability to really be in tune with being able to listen, but that's what our body wants for us. Our bodies are like self-healing machines. If the circumstances are correct and we're, and we're up against a lot right now. So, um, but that was just, it was just really, really transformational to have that kind of knowing through that experience. It's something I learned about myself. Yeah. May I ask what part of your back was this on? Interesting that you ask this. It's, it was on the upper left, sort of like to the right of my shoulder blade. I'm pointing it. So like, of course your listeners can't see. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yeah. So upper, like thoracic spine area Mm -hmm. to the left of the spine. So how did you even notice that to begin with? Is I don't like look at my back every day. No, it's hard to see. Uh, f- I was doing a show at the time and I had a, always someone who helped me into a certain costume where my back mm-hmm. was like my upper back was revealed. And she said, this bruise, like you've had it for a really long time. Ah. So she's like, maybe, I don't know. Like when we would get bruised, we were dancing. It was like, you know, it was sort of an easy thing to just sort of like brush off. But, um, Mm. she just said, maybe, maybe ask a doctor about it. It was sort of like one of those kinds of things. So a friend pointed it out at first. Yeah. Wow. That is so crazy. I know. And like, like Erica was saying, we both practice Buddhism. That's how we met. And there's this sort of this idea of like, sometimes even with really difficult obstacles, like feeling protection in a certain way. And I think like, and that happens mm-hmm. through our environment. So like, I feel that like, had my friend not really noticed it. And then had I not continued to like push on with the doctors, yeah. you know, it was like this sort of chain of events where I wound up getting the best possible care at the best time for myself, even with the complications throughout the process. So yeah, I feel really, I feel really fortunate. And I've been been good ever since, which is also, you know, I'm really grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to ask you both together. So you have a podcast, which I am a huge fan of you all put together. So their podcast is Courageous Wellness, and it they interview people and they talk about their own journeys, too. I like how you mix the episodes between episodes about you all talking, because, of course, we all want to get to know you and what's going on with you. And then you also interview people and their wellness journeys. And can you speak a little bit more about your podcast and then about the services you offer, too? Because I think you offer some really great stuff. Yeah. Erica, do you want to jump in? Yeah, sure. It's funny when there's two people, you're like, who wants to take this one? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's so interesting because of our personal journeys. And like Ali said, we had been friends for a few, I think we probably met right before your cancer diagnosis in 2014, we became friends, but we were, you know, just social friends. And we, it's so interesting because I had lost most of my weight before Ali had met me. And like I said, I knew Ali when she experienced her cancer diagnosis, but not 
in the detail she just explained with you. Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting because Ali was actually doing a show in Japan in 2018. She was living there and we discovered we were reading the same book on blood sugar and nutrition via Instagram. And at the time, none of my friends, and I think none of her friends were really like interested in like geeking out on blood sugar and nutrition. So, you know, I slid into Ali's DMs and a deeper friendship developed. Mm -hmm. And when she came back from Japan that April, I caught her, we, we started developing a deeper friendship towards the tail end of her Japan contract we started spending so much time together and really sharing these stories that we had had. You know, she shared with me about her cancer diagnosis, the way she shared it with you, her recovery, being a dairy-free vegetarian and still getting cancer. And I shared my weight loss story with her, which she didn't know about because I think it's so interesting. And this is leading me into what our podcast is about. There's, I think we hold so much shame sometimes Mm -hmm. in our stories for so long. I didn't even want to talk about my 50 pound weight loss because that meant that I had had 50 pounds to lose, right? Like then I would have to, and I hadn't done the work on this part of myself yet. So you know, fast forward, we're talking all the time about our own journeys, shocked that we had been friends for years and didn't know this stuff about each other. And again, like, as I said, we realized there's so much power in sharing your story. There's so much power in vulnerability. It makes us feel so much less alone. And we, because of our backgrounds. We knew nothing about podcasting, but we both do have entertainment backgrounds. We decided to start a podcast (laughs) just like that. And I think we were so fortunate that we knew nothing because I, we actually really suggest people just start before you're ready because perfection doesn't exist and you learn as you go. And I don't, I'm so glad we just started, you know, we had this idea in, I think April or May, and we had a podcast by June. So it just happened like that. But Our mission is really to tell courageous stories in wellness from all different parts of wellness, right? Spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, you name it. We believe it's a part of wellness. And, you know, our goal is to really destigmatize conversations so that nobody feels alone and that, you know, hopefully our listeners feel courageous to share their own stories, to maybe call a friend and share something about themselves or even become their own health advocates because you could hear something and maybe you have a bruise on your body that's been there for five years and now you're going to go get it checked, right? So I think the mission of our podcast has always been to tell courageous stories, destigmatize conversations in the wellness space and express so many different points of view, right? We've had you know, meat eating carnivore doctors on our pod, like Dr. Will Cole, who is, you know, Mr. Keto Tarian. <laughs> and then we've had, you know, Dr. Joel Kahn, who is, you know, a vegan plant-based, you know, person. we cover everything. We yeah. show all different perspectives and, you know, because of our interest and our knowledge, we ended up going back to school and becoming certified integrative nutrition health coaches. And Ali, you can talk about what we do in that sphere now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Yeah, it was great. And it was a great experience that Erica and I got to do together. It's interesting to have had sort of like the media component of our, uh, of our company first, but we also now have coaching as well. So we do private one-on-one, um, health coaching really, it could be for for anyone, whether you're dealing with perhaps lifestyle changes to support a chronic illness or ailment, 
or just maybe some goals to like optimize your energy, whatever your specific needs are, we're willing to work, you know, with people one-on-one through their journey. And we really believe a lot that like a, that everybody is bio-individual. So we're not dogmatic in one type of thing. Different things work for different people, Mm -hmm. but we are, we are here to really support people to figure out what works best for them. And in a way that really takes into account like real nutritious food. Uh, we, we have a lot of, we live in a world with a lot of conflicting information and a lot of advertising. And, and so we just sort of like want people to get back to the basics and also really like lead their own health journey as we, as we advocate for, you know, ourselves and how important that is. And in, especially in the system that we live in. And so that's kind of the work that we do with individual clients, uh, regardless of whatever their health goals may be, we're here to support them because lifestyle changes are hard to implement. A registered dietitian can write you a diet plan, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to just like run with it. You know, we need emotional support food is so much more than food. It's often not about food. So we really, really help people kind of work through that in a lot of ways that Erica spoke about earlier. We also have some group events that we're starting, which are going to be really fun and really accessible. We believe in accessible wellness. So we try to offer different things at different price points. And then also a lot of free things like all of our podcast resources are completely free and accessible to everyone because we, we believe in community wellness too. So we want to offer different resources. Yeah. For, you know, anybody at any phase. So the group events, which we'll be starting later this year are going to be monthly and they'll be virtual. So, um, people can join and from anywhere. Yeah. And they will be on different themes and different topics. Like things we love to learn about like gut health or hormone health and really simple, easy, accessible tools for people. Cause we believe it should be like practical, real, tangible stuff. So that's really our mission with Courageous Wellness Coaching. And you can go to our website at courageouswellness.net and it will take you to the collective, which is everything from our podcast to press to, you know, publications we've written for to uh, all of the coaching options as well. Awesome. Yes. And I will include links to your website and your Instagram and anything else you would like me to include in the show notes so that listeners can just easily click and and go there. And I have to tell you all, like you, you all have made a difference in my life. I, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing to share your story. And certainly my, my own wellness journey is not a sexy one, right? I talk about Um, toxins and poop and hair loss and all the things. Yep. And I started this podcast and I wasn't willing to share my own story. I wasn't there. And I felt, I finally came to the point where I felt like I was doing my listeners a disservice Mm -hmm. by not being vulnerable. And I was listening to your podcast over and over again, the people you have on that are sharing their stories. And I was like, okay, I got to do it. I just have to do it. I have to share my story. So I finally got on and I think it was like episode, gosh, I don't remember nine or 10 that I finally shared my story. And then I reached out to you all like, okay, Steph, you just need to do it. You just need to share your story. So I thank you so much for 
not only sharing your wellness journeys with me, but allowing me to share my wellness journey with you. I think that that is truly how we grow and help each other and, and have that space. My, my listeners know that this is a safe space yep. mm-hmm. for, for learning and growing and no judgment and meeting yourself where you're at. And I think that you two embody that. Mm-hmm. You do such wow. a beautiful job at that. Well, thank, well, thank you. you. And we can't wait. Everyone can come over to our podcast and listen to your story <laughs> next. So is there anything else that I've left out that you want to share with everybody? You know, Erica and I have been at it a, a little while now, uh, the podcast specifically. And what is, is so cool, and I feel like the coolest perk of our job is, is getting to hear story after story. Like we get to be there for every Mm. single one of them. And we learn so much from our guests and the stories, you know, they differ vastly, but there are certain things that I've learned that are like core Mm. components to everybody's journey. And it's like the people who whether it be like, sometimes we have people on who've created products and brands because of the things that they've gone through, but, but everybody coming out on the other side and being courageous to continue the journey. Cause it isn't linear. And sometimes yeah. you have ups and sometimes you have downs yeah. just because you've, you've gone through one, you know, hurdle doesn't mean there's not going to be another one. Cause that's life, but people have a practice. I think that's been the biggest uh, kind of like interesting element that I've seen that's been consistent through every single guest for the most part. I mean, it's it would be hard for me to try to remember of the 125 people we've interviewed so far, like someone who doesn't have some sort of practice that they've cultivated for themselves, mm-hmm. whether it's a spiritual practice, whether it's a religious practice, whether it's just a mindfulness practice, but something that they do consistently for themselves every day to ground themselves, to connect themselves to their own self and their own sense of self in order to show up in the world and be willing to be kind of courageous in their own wellness. And that has been, I think, really a beautiful thing that we've learned by getting to interview all these people. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Is there, are there any overarching themes that you've taken from, from your interviews? You mentioned having a practice, like having just a daily practice. Is there anything else that sticks out to you that you want to share? I I think having a daily practice is definitely the number one. The Mm -hmm. second is everyone seems to start before they're ready you know, like so many people just do it right. Like there's kind of like we mentioned, even with our own podcast, we had no idea what we were doing, Mm -hmm. but there was something right. A calling and intuition inside of us that was like, this is what we need to do. And we did it. And so many people, be it them starting their brand or their blog or going back to school or whatever it is, it's just like a voice inside of them kept coming back and they just Mm. did it. Right. And I think that's been the greatest lesson too, is things don't have to be perfect. You can always start over. You can, you know, reroute, regroup, but if you don't do it, if you don't start, there's never a perfect time. There's just a later time, you know, you could have started today, but you waited six months. There's just, just no perfect time. And, you know, um, that's been interesting. It's how many people, 
they just do it. They just go for what's in their heart. And yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I love, and I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. I can definitely in everything I've done in life, <laughs> doing it before I feel like I'm ready to do it. Just taking yeah. the plunge, yeah. taking the plunge. Um, well, thank you both so much for taking the time to, to sit with me. I, I know my listeners are just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I think you are doing wonderful things in the world and I want to be a part of spreading that. So thank you again. And I will certainly post in the show notes where y'all can find Allie and Erica and Courageous Wellness. Thank you so much again for having us. Well, if that wasn't inspiring, then I don't know what is. You can find Allie and Erica on Instagram at Courageous Wellness, and you can listen to their podcast, Courageous Wellness, on your favorite podcast platform. Their info is also linked in the show notes for your convenience. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review. It really helps me to stay visible on podcast platforms and also consider sharing this podcast on social media with your friends. Okay, everyone, keep that spirit of thankfulness up and I will see you next time on Daily Detox with Steph. Bye, everyone.